Hey there, running for president is always a pretty difficult task, but Donald Trump's run might have just gotten a little bit more difficult or easier, depending on your point of view. What impact will that mugshot now have on the campaign? I'm Aaron Young, let's try find out. Now from our headquarters at Ticker Park, this is Ticker Today. Hello and welcome. Former President Donald Trump and 18 other people indicted along with him have now surrendered in Georgia in relation to election subversion charges, which leads to an incredible election campaign where one of the most memorable photographs of one of the most likely candidates is now a mugshot. Since then, Trump has also rejoined X, formerly known as Twitter, where remarkably the first tweet he posted since being kicked off the platform for allegedly using it to incite violence on January 6th was that very same mugshot. He has since made $7 million from campaign fundraising thanks to that shot, expensive photograph, and it paints a very stark divide between the electorate ahead of next year's presidential election, where one half's proof of guilt is the other half's rallying cry. To discuss this decision and how it's likely to play out, let's bring in Catherine Shoemaker from the University of Oklahoma, who joins us now. Thanks so much for your time. Have you ever seen anything like this before? In my lifetime, I would not say so. This is, I think, unprecedented in American history. Um, I think, obviously, the U.S. has a long history of election violence and uh, other issues with our democratic system, but this is certainly a new one for me. So outside of the Civil War period, um, have we seen a time of such division between both sides of politics? You know, the United States has a long history of intense political battles. The Reconstruction era that followed the Civil War had a lot of election violence, fraud, intimidation associated with it. Um, certainly the election of 1876 was a contested election. Th these things have happened, um, but having a president who has been indicted for um, potentially being involved in the conspiracy to overturn election is something new. Yeah, very much so. If we kind of look at it from a historical contextual point of view, how do nations usually resolve such division where you have two halves of a country that just seem to be so bitterly divided on a topic like Trump's guilt or innocence? I mean, ideally, this is what the democratic process is for, right? That you have elections and that majorities and minorities can work out a solution through uh, that kind of um, electoral system. I think what we're seeing in the United States is a crisis of democracy in that we have a candidate who uh, refused to accept the results of the previous election and who is now running for office again, um, making those same kinds of claims. And so if the democratic process doesn't sort these things out, then I mean, what we've seen in the past is that the US had a civil war. Yeah, very much so. We, we look back to the 1990s, of course, and we think about what happened there between uh, Bill Clinton as well as the Republicans, Kenneth Starr, etc., over the Monica Lewinsky affair, the impeachment battle as well. Was that really the beginning of modern day politics where we saw both sides of the aisle, uh, the Republicans and the Democratic Party, just really tit for tat whenever one's in power hitting out at the other? I think that historians of the recent past would point to the 90s as being a significant era in terms of polarization of politics. Um, I think that the truth is, is 
you can look back to the 19th century, you can even look back to the 1790s to find examples of really heated political contests and really divided um, partisanship. So this is something that's as old as the United States itself. You look at Abraham Lincoln, a president, obviously, that did so much um, during his tenure and, and ended so tragically as well. Donald Trump may have very different policies, but in terms of that martyrdom and uh, iconic presidential figure, would you say there are some similarities between how their supporters view them? Uh, I would not say that. I think that Lincoln was not a martyr until he died. So certainly Lincoln was not a very well-known political figure prior to him run, running for president. He had won a Senate seat, um, but he was not somebody who was uh, necessarily having a large cult of personality, I would say. And I think that that's what uh, differentiates Trump and Lincoln. Certainly by the time Lincoln won his second election, he had a lot of popular support. But even in the 1860 election, he only won about 40% of the popular vote. Which is very different, of course, to what we're seeing with Donald Trump here, where that cult of personality is something like we've never seen before. I think that's correct, yes. Uh, certainly one of the issues that the United States is having is that there's a very vocal minority that supports Trump very strongly. And I think we'll support him whether he is convicted, whether he's convicted in Georgia, in New York, in any of these places. And so I think that um, ultimately uh, what is going to shape the future of the United States is whether or not the democratic process can work this out. Can Americans work this out through elections? And you look at the Trump factor and you wonder about whether it's been social media or media in general that's been able to open up and to show people over the past decades of what actually does happen in Washington, allowing a Trump-style character to be able to talk about the Washington swamp. Talk to us about how America got into a situation where a Donald Trump could be elected. I think that um, there was a very strong reaction to the 2008 election of Barack Obama. I think that those politics um, of resentment have been building for a long time. Certainly we saw them in the 1960s, and 1970s with the civil rights movement. There's a very strong um, sense of uh, not just victimization, but also entitlement among a certain faction of the United States. And I think that that, um, uh, that group is really attracted to personalities like Donald Trump who tell them you are persecuted, um, you know, but you are in the right. And I think that that sense is in a lot of ways antithetical to democracy because, of course, democracy is where we all go out. We vote. Uh, we try to decide um, who should lead based on the majority. And I think that this is in tension with those kinds of politics. And the fact that now the rule of law can be politicized so much where one political candidate can essentially say, I'm going to go to jail unless you vote for me. And they're not coming after me. They're coming after you. If every single person who fronts a court were to say that, we would never have a judicial system, would we? No, I think that the politics of law and order are very complicated and there's a very long history of how that phrase has played out. I think one of the things that's interesting about the Trump era is that he's both making an appeal to law and order in, in other places, um, but certainly is claiming for himself um, in a sense that he's above the law, right? That it doesn't matter if he violated the law because what he was doing is what he feels was right. Talk to us about the advent of social media and how it's changed the political landscape, obviously used really effectively by the hope campaign of Barack Obama in that election. And then we've seen it 
ever since Donald Trump has been able to utilize it to subvert, go around the media and to be able to essentially not just use any platform, but even build his own platform. Now he's back on X essentially as a campaign funding strategy as well, as media has become a lot more democratized where any of us can become publishers or broadcasters. Has that meant that really that fair go being able to criticize people who aren't down the middle uh, has, has become even easier so that the far left or the far right can essentially build an audience, one big enough to win an election? I think certainly media has always been politicized. Former politicians have bought newspapers. They do this kind of thing um, to control and capture public conversations. But certainly what's new now is, as you pointed out, that very fringe figures, people who um, do not have a following before, can build one and can build one through appeals to extremism. And unfortunately, we've seen in the United States that can also often result in violence. Is there any signs that things are going to get any better anytime soon? I'm not sure. I mean, we have an election coming up. And so I think that seeing what plays out in the Republican primary will be an mm. indication of whether or not um, Trump truly does control an entire political party. If that's the case, Republicans do have a majority in terms of the Electoral College. They have a big advantage there. And so, you know, I think that the probably the 2024 election is going to show us whether or not the system of democracy that we have now can really withstand this kind of and push from a, a minority. Catherine Shoemaker, really appreciate your time. Thanks for dropping by. Thanks for having me. And that is a program for now. For more, head to tickernews.co. I'm Aaron Young. I do hope to see you soon.